Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Studstill Smash, Milkman, Katie Quigg, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Lunchbox, aka The Disgruntled Gamer, Discimera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Dave Jackson, Matt, aka Storm Again. Retro Overdrive, Van Fernal, Keith Gasper, Eric Guest, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, Mike the Ref from Backbreaker Gaming, Beat Ross from Super Garbage Day, and Darth Emmick. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Welcome to The Flight, a consumable curation of champions and catastrophes that is considerate of your chronometer. Welcome to another edition of The Flight, everybody. It is me, Chris Goplin, from the Retro Hangover Podcast, but you already knew that, because I'm also joined by... by who, who is joining me? I, I think we advertise Shane, but we might need to retcon that and say it's actually Ozzy or Ashton. No, I'm just fucking with you. It's Shane. <laughs> Shane, how how's it going today? Oh, I mean, you know, almost being written out of existence is uh, a jarring experience. Let me tell you what. But uh, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you could really just kind of palette swap me with any other mid to late 30s dude who just likes video games. And, I, I, you know, I don't I'm not sure anybody would notice. I. I, I don't tend to agree, but maybe in a later episode I will and say I always have. Because <laughs> there you go. You know, some people, some people are all about that shit. I don't know. I don't pay attention enough to plots to really know retcons well enough. I actually had to do research for this. I was just about and to say that's a like, that's a great setup for the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you just like I I, like, I I I knew nothing. I don't know. I had to be reminded is, is some of the things like, I don't know, like I just, uh, that, that's weird. I move on. Like it doesn't sit with me. So I had to look up things and be reminded of stuff. So uh, I hope you're happy patrons. This, this is, this is the future you wanted and you will receive it. <laughs> there is no fate, but what we make in, until uh, somebody retcons that shit too. Yeah. And uh, just to know who recommended this topic. It was Tony G, who both suggested the top five best and worst retcons. I don't think there's such thing as a best retcon personally, so I don't I don't know which angle you took on this, Shane. I just went for five retcons that I give a shit about. So I don't know if they're good or bad or if they're the best, but they are oh, five I, retcons. And I 100% went with worst. All of mine are the worst. <laughs> I, I, I think that's actually the correct answer because I don't I can't think of a good retcon, period. Like there are none, um, but I, I I think we should get the show down the road. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's 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 do it. Um, and you know what? I who better to start off this list than the man 
who had no idea how to tackle this thing. Uh, so Chris, why, why don't you give the people your number five? Number five. All right. So my number five, I actually, when I started thinking about it, it started coming up and I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that did happen. Uh, Mass effects three ending, Mm. which if you, if anyone remembers mass effect threes ending, it was, you know, choose your flavor. Uh, you got like red, yellow, and green or something like that. And it just determined what you were going to do. And I don't know. It, it kind of sucked. Like one was, oh, you're going to be a robot. And then one is you're going to be a half robot. And one you kill all the robots. And some, something similar to that with not getting tuned to the specifics of it. But then, like, fans got really mad because they're like, we thought our choices mattered, man. And then people who were defending it were like, it's about the journey, not the destination, man. And BioWare was like, what do we do? What do we do? So they kind of retconned it and added a bunch of other stuff in a patch and said, hey, here's the ending. Uh, We added things and look at these pictures about the decisions you made and they really did matter. And here's all the, the, the people that are like Rex and they're doing okay. Maybe if you chose that path, we hope, uh, or they're not here. And I, I kind of don't like that because in many ways it shows uh, some people will like this, but it shows a precedent like, Oh, our vision for the way the game should have ended in our story and our plot line, the way we wanted to write this wasn't accepted by the fans. Okay, we'll just change it so they like it. And I don't think they still liked it. They said it was better and it calmed people down, but I thought that was hella lame. They should have stuck with the original ending, which I guess technically isn't a retcon because all it did was just add extra stuff to flesh the story out but I don't think it needed it. So that's my number five is the change to Mass Effect 3's ending. Yeah, if I'm being honest, that's actually, that that whole debacle is the reason that I have yet to actually play Mass Effect 3. I've played yeah. the first two and I've I've put off playing the third one because of all of that. I mean, I should. At some point, I'll get around to it. Uh, I just hope that I still have my save file. So it'll continue over. But anyway... Uh, so my number five, so I'm starting out like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty minimal. This isn't, this isn't a big deal. It's not, it's not really stuck in my craw so much that that comes a little bit later here, but it is still one that I, I don't particularly agree with. And, uh, that is power armor in the fallout series. So specifically we're talking, uh, fallout four slash fallout 76 and kind of what they did with power armor and so in in like all of the previous fallout games the power armor was always described uh as to have been powered by like this miniature nuclear reactor that allows power armor to essentially perpetually operate for like 200 years right and so in fallout 4 uh, all of the power armor that you come across are powered by miniature fusion cells that only last like 30 minutes and there's an in-universe reason for that, and that is because the events of Fallout 4 take place about 210 years after the Great War. So 
that makes sense fine so the the original resources the mini nuclear reactors and stuff that stuff is scarce or gone at this point and so people are just scavenging whatever they can find to continue using this like op ass power armor okay fine that i'll allow it that's cool the real offender here honestly and as much as i grew to like playing the game from a lore perspective fallout 76 kind of goes and totally fucks with this because the events of 76 canonically take place about 25 years after the bombs dropped so but but it keeps the power armor system from fallout 4 so you're constantly having to replace the the cells in your power armor to keep it going which according to established lore makes no sense whatsoever because if it's only 25 years after the war then feasibly there should be plenty of those mini reactors uh around you know along with the power armor suits and so it just made zero sense and honestly the thing that irks me the most about it aside from the inconsistency really is just that it's it's very blatant as to why this choice was made. Uh, obviously, it's so that it could be, you know, a resource that runs out quickly that you would then have to either find or probably pay extra money to get some microtransaction to give you more shit to be able to obtain more reactors. And that's kind of gross. So... Uh, so that's why it's it's starting my list. It's not it's nothing huge, but it is a a plot inconsistency with like a a little a little old dash of uh, BS capitalism. So there you go. Hooray! Number four. The next one on my list, number four, is. Uh, really too many damn things to list in Lunar Silver Star Story Complete. <laughs> I I don't know where to get started with this. Um, just, I don't know. I didn't like a lot of the things. Like what they did with the Vile Tribe. There was, there's three of them and all of a sudden they're trying to, like they try to make them sympathetic, but in doing so they make your your heroes and, and what your heroes are doing look like complete assholes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Hey, like they banished them uh, to the to the frontier and then Althena didn't shed any love on them. And that's why they're it's all desolate and they've been trying to make up for it after all these years. But it's just like a I don't know, like a, a hate punishment that forever they will be banished to this horrible place. And only when they find Althena's love do they get better. But they don't. Uh, the the frontier stays the frontier, which sounds horrible. Uh, so it makes your characters look bad. Uh, plus, there's like little things. So in the Sega CD version of of Lunar, by the way, spoilers all the way through here, uh, uh, like for my, like the remainder of my picks, I'm not even going to lie. Like all of them have spoilers for the game I'm going to be talking about. But in the original Sega CD version, you find Dine's sword being guarded by Althena's guardians, like they're they're gods or something or angels. And then when you go to pick it up, they get killed by Galleon. But in the the remake, you find it inside of Dine's tombstone. And like the reason Dine doesn't join you when you go to go raid Galleon's stupid tower is because he gets turned to stone by the I forgot her name, but she's one of the vile tribe people and he can't follow you. But in the other one, he just kind of stays behind and just doesn't follow you, even though he's like a level 99 badass. And he's just like, "Nah, you go take it, children. I'm going to fuck around over here. So there's a (laughs) lot of things that. That like 
I don't like. And it didn't need to change. It just felt like they added shit for the sake of adding shit. I did like the fact that they had Luna stay with you a little bit longer in terms of that retcon. Uh, instead of just staying behind on the island and saying, go on your adventure. But that could be argued either way. Uh, there's just too much shit that, that bothers me as a Lunar fan in, in Silver Star Story Complete that I know a lot of Lunar fans do love. But I, I think it ruins a lot of the flavor. I think it ruins a lot of other things. Oh, yeah, I think fucking... Oh, they, they didn't kill the dragons. They, like, imprisoned them. Oh, yeah, that was their, weird, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in, in the original, they killed them, which makes a lot more sense. So, yeah, all that retcon, it's dumb. The original Lunar is better on the Sega CD. And there's that. All right. Well, uh, my number four... Uh, it is starting to get into stuff that actually does bother me uh, quite quite a bit, actually. And so here's the thing. I, I probably could have made this entire list out of just Blizzard games, for the record. <laughs> they are fucking notorious for retconning the shit out of their own plot lines. And uh, this, is, this is one of them. And that is Kerrigan from StarCraft II, specifically. So, uh, if you're familiar with the, the StarCraft lore slash plotline, then you know that Kerrigan becomes infested by the Zerg and she becomes the Queen of Blades. And originally, uh, that, that was it. Like, she, she done got bad and she's bad. She, tur she turned bad and that's it. She is Queen Bitch of the Universe, end of story. And then StarCraft Two is just like, oh, but like we totally want to try to like shoehorn in this like continued romance thing between Kerrigan, you know, and Rainer. So like, let's, let's try to make that happen, but do it in the laziest fucking way possible. And, uh, so, you know, you'd think if, if they really wanted to go that route, which again, I've said this before on other, uh, episodes that Blizzard loves their, you know, bad guy turns good, then there's redemption arc story. They've done it to death. And this is another one of those. But if they were going to do that, they could have at least had her do some major, huge redeeming act to, like, bring her back to the, the quote-unquote good side. Uh, but that would require work. So they did not do that. And all they really did was just give her like a split personality bullshit hand wavy thing to explain stuff. So they took what was a pretty cool character with a pretty cool villain and basically turned it into like literally the, the cringy shitty like meme of like, I have my dark side, but also my light side. And that's, that's basically what she is. Like the queen of blades is one half of her personality. And then the other half of her personality is, is OG Kerrigan trying to like fight off the split personality. So it's like this kind of dumb Jekyll and Hyde thing that never existed. And it really only got put in here for the sole reason of giving her, like I said, a super lazy redemption arc and also trying to like ham fist this romance thing with Raynor into starcraft 2 so just like bad decisions all around please because like the zerg's a hive mind they're a bunch of like commie little zerg people do they do they like try to romance rainer too because they all think the, the same thing right oh see like, now now you're thinking too much about this 
Don't 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 think too much about it, Chris. They don't want you to think about it. Yeah, it sounds bad. It's it sounds like it's a bad idea. Yeah, it's no, it's totally it's totally different. Don't forget about the overmind. Don't don't worry about that. What? Uh... <laughs> Number three. Here's my number three, and it's uh, about, I think it's Metal Gear Solid 4. I think that's that's where this gets revealed. And th- this requires a little bit of backstory. So in Metal Gear Solid 1, Liquid Snake dies. Liquid Snake is, Metal, is uh, Solid Snake's brother. You know, Metal Gear Solid. You know, that's your character you control. Solid Snake. Yeah. And then in Metal Gear Solid 2, you discover that the, the I think the left arm or right arm, one of the arms of liquid ocelot who returns in metal gear solid 2 is uh i say revolver ocelot not liquid ocelot but he's called liquid ocelot but uh revolver ocelot takes one of the arms of liquid snake and puts it on his own arm and they say that that arm means that liquid is still alive and communicating through revolver ocelot which is why he's liquid ocelot this this is you know great storytelling here uh, so Liquid Snake <laughs> is still alive through Revolver Ocelot. Everything's making sense here. That is some so they could... serious fucking like mental gymnastics just to get a character back. But all right, yeah, go on. Sure. So in Metal Gear Solid 4, this this whole entire plot continues until you get to the end, and then Revolver Ocelot says, actually, I was just pretending that this arm grafted onto my arm was actually making me be liquid and i was pretending to do it to keep the spirit of liquid alive or some shit so the entire time i was just acting and pretending that liquid was controlling me and i wasn't actually liquid because this arm didn't make me do anything it was just me being me and just pretend and just like like really hamming it up for effect to make you believe that liquid was still here and that is dumb it is horrifically dumb. It's it's dumber than the dumb thing that already happened, uh, which, you know, in, in the Metal Gear universe is, which is dumb, that is believable. So can you just make it believable? Can you just give me hope that, like, for some reason, the nanomachines in, Liquid arm, in Liquid's arm are somehow driving Revolver Ocelot's personality to actually be Liquid? Like, why do we have to retcon this? This was already over-the-top cheesy bullshit fun. I love that sort of shit. Don't tell me it's a lie, you fucking hack, Kojima. I know what you're doing with Jeff Keighley. Maybe I have photos. Do you want to find out? You better invite <laughs> me to the Game Awards. But, hey, this is this is all I'm saying. It's a dumb retcon, I, and I love dumb stories, but this is a dumber retcon. Uh, bad decision, Metal Gear Solid 4. Liquid Snake's arm doesn't actually make Revolver Ocelot turn into Liquid. I mean, I feel like it would have been fair for you to just say more or less the entirety of Metal Gear Solid, just the whole series. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there's yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all right. My my version of that's coming later. Um, all right. So my number three, uh, the Koopalings from the Super Mario universe. Oh, yeah. This pisses me off probably more than it should. But given that I grew up with the Super Nintendo and 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 that well, the NES and the Super Nintendo, uh, I as far as I'm concerned, the Koopalings have been and always will be Bowser's children. 
legitimate or otherwise. But in Super Mario Brothers 3, it was established, because this is when they were introduced, that they are all Bowser's children. They they don't go so far as to say how Bowser suddenly had like how many fuck like ten, eight or ten of them, I think. I think it's eight. Yeah, but I think if you it's eight. Bowser Jr., I think it's nine. Well, Bowser Jr. came later, right? So yeah. yeah, so eight. They don't explain how he suddenly had eight kids, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, but no, so that that gets changed later. So uh that that is really never mentioned again, uh, that they're his children. And instead, they get called his minions in later games. Um, but it was like in this really weird spot where the Bowser's children thing wasn't necessarily 100% disproved either. So most, I would say, fans who were familiar with this kind of just assume that they were still his kids. But then sometime in 2012, there was an interview with, with Miyamoto and he said and set the official record straight that in the current story, the Koopalings are not Bowser's children, which I still 100% disagree with, um, and and it still it still bothers me to this day. I 100% agree with you, and I forgot that that was a retcon that existed because that is horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it showed it showed Bowser was a good father, and giving all of his children little kingdoms to run. Yeah, and yeah, maybe they weren't the most successful, but neither is he. So he tried. True. And he did his best until some motherfucker from Brooklyn decided that he was going to ruin the party. <laughs> I mean, it also canonically established that Bowser does indeed fuck. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or at least he squirts on eggs or whoever, however reptiles do it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How, however that, a, that happens. Yeah. What is it? Like a cloaca? That's what they have? I don't know what it is. That sounds That's right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even know exactly how that works. But I don't either. He fertilized eggs. I'm sh- yeah. I'm sure there is some Rule Thirty Four artist out there that would be able to diagram it for you in excruciating detail. Number two. Okay, my number two is actually a good one. It's the Final Fantasy VII remake, mm. which just turns everything about Final Fantasy VII on its head, uh, because. In this game, you get to fight destiny and and change the outcome of so many things. Where at, at the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and you're you're escaping, you start to realize that all these shadow figures you are fighting is is fate itself and destiny. And that's when everyone realizes that like Sephiroth is is controlling everything, and there's a set series of events that you're supposed to do and Aerith realizes that she's going to get stabby stabbed and I, I, they don't go into detail about that really but yeah I mean it's essentially setting up that they know the course of events of the original Final Fantasy 7 and they are going to go and change it so the entirety of Final Fantasy 7 remake and the games moving forward are changing the destiny and plot line of how Final Fantasy VII was supposed to go. As someone who does not care much for the plot of Final Fantasy VII, this is something I love and adore. I welcome this retcon because I don't care about the stupid plot of Final Fantasy VII because it makes no sense. 
And you should not feel bad about it either, because the final plot of Final Fantasy VII sucks, and everyone in Final Fantasy VII is a horrible person in the original game, and the, re and the remake actually makes these people likable, and makes me care about them. I really care about the characters in Final Fantasy VII, even though, you know, Barrett's still a little bit of a crazy eco-terrorist. You know what? I, I can still somewhat relate to him, and now, because, well, I can't relate to him, he's, he's crazy, but... I understand his devotion for things and how he's trying to save the planet. I can respect it. And I am probably going to break down when it gets to the point where he needs to go to find Dine and Marlene. Actually, that's two games that have Dine in them. That's, that's, that's a little weird. But I, that's going to be really weird when they go to the Gold Saucer and, uh, you know, go to Corral. And I I think that's going to be interesting and in how they change the destinies and everything like that. The, the, the door is wide open for the possibilities for the future of Final Fantasy VII, they can right all the wrongs, even though I don't know where they're going to go after they leave Midgard, because it, it kind of can go anywhere. But I am happy that it's getting shaken up, and Jesse better be alive. Shane? All right. Well, uh, I think given that this game is at my number two, might give some folks who are familiar with my 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 particular uh, flavor profile in games, uh, an idea of how much my number one actually really bothers me. Because <laughs> you'd think this would be mm. my number one, but uh, some of the dumb shit that they pulled in Diablo, that is my number <laughs> two. Uh, sp specifically, specifically, Diablo 3 and their attempt to retcon stuff that did not need it whatsoever. So, specifically i'm i'm and there there are other things but i'm i'm specifically talking about what they did as far as the lore is concerned around the player character of the first game so the the character that you yourself are playing as so originally in diablo 1 there is npc dialogue that heavily implies that you the player character used to live in the town of tristram at some point and you returned when you heard that, like, some weird shit was going down. Uh, now, granted, I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually not containing this to Diablo 3, because as much as I love Diablo 2, they kind of went and fucked around with this as well. So, again, Blizzard being Blizzard. But in Diablo 2, the hero of the first game is established as the one who became the Dark Wanderer. Um, but now, he's a nameless wanderer that nobody in Tristram ever knew. So they already changed that. In Diablo 2, which seemed unnecessary, but there you go. And then Diablo 3 goes and takes this uh, a, a stupid step further and establishes that the Dark Wanderer's name is in fact Aiden. Uh, and not only is he Aiden, but he's in fact Prince Aiden. And both Deckard Cain and the people of Tristram knew him uh, pretty well because he is King Leoric's eldest son. So he's the Prince of Condorus. He is the brother to Albrecht, who is the, the king's son that gets uh, absconded by, uh, by his advisor Lazarus and, you know, becomes the vessel for Diablo and that, that whole business. Um, despite the fact that Diablo 1 very clearly stated that Albrecht was King Leoric's only son, therefore was also part of the reason that Leoric kind of went totally batty shit insane uh, trying to save his son and ultimately succumbing to becoming 
the uh, the skeleton king. So uh, they just totally shit on this whole thing by making like by establishing the player character as a very specific person who never existed. And it, it was 100% unnecessary because part of what made it so alluring was the fact that it was, at least in the first game, you were, and I said this in our in our episode about this too, way back when, um, as well as some guest appearances that I may have made recently talking about the first Diablo game. And, and that is that like, you're basically just a, an average person, more or less. You start the game as just a, an adventurer who heard of some weird stuff going on in this little town of Tristram. Um, specifically, you know, you were saying that, like, you, you used to live there when you were younger. You went off to do some adventures. You heard, like, oh, man, some weird stuff. So you come back. And the, some of the NPCs recognize you right off the bat if you actually read through all of their extra dialogue. And then you kind of go from there, and then you become more powerful during your, you know, adventure. And then ultimately, you sort of commit the ultimate sacrifice by trying to contain the the essence of Diablo in the Soul Stone in your own body because you figure, listen, there ain't nobody else around here that's as strong as I am at this point. I fought through 16 levels of demons and other BS. So if anybody's going to try to contain this thing, I guess it's going to be me. You ultimately fail, of course, which is what leads into the events of Diablo 2. But like making him a specific person kind of like removes the player you from that story. So you, you, it's no longer you, which also kind of completely shits on the rest of Diablo two, because they did a pretty good job of working all of the original characters from Diablo one into two as basically like corrupted versions of themselves. Um, you know, you get uh, blood Raven, who was the rogue from the first game. You have to kill her because she's fallen to the dark forces. Um, the, the sorcerer from the first game uh, is in act two um, and you have to take him out. And then ultimately it's like canonically the warrior from Diablo one is the dark wanderer, but they just took it a step too far and it was totally unnecessary. And uh, basically everyone hated it, including me. Yeah. Fuck Blizzard. Am I right? Pretty much. Yeah. But, but boy, do I still need to play season two of Diablo 4. <laughs> Number one. All right, here's my number one. This one, this one hurts. And I'm going back to Final Fantasy 7. And I guess technically this would be Final Fantasy 7 Advent Children. Mm. Because this involves the ending to Final Fantasy 7. Shane, you know the ending to Final Fantasy 7. Mm -hmm. You see Red 13 with his two unexplainable puppies running next to him. Yes. Uh, how he had puppies, we don't know. Uh, maybe he buds and is an asexual reproducer. It's possible. We'll never know. Um, which kind of doesn't make sense of why he has a mother and a father. I'm not going to get into the details here. But uh, the thing is, is that the one of the plot sticking plot points of the end of final fantasy seven is that the magic spell holy that Aerith summons while she's being stabby stabbed may has to make the decision of whether or not saving humanity is worth it because it's there to save the planet. And if it deems humanity as a threat, it will eliminate humanity and turn the planet back over to nature, which is somewhat insinuated at the end because nature has overtaken Midgar. 
So it, it does kind of suggest that Holy decided that humans needed to be destroyed. Because there are no humans in the end of Final Fantasy VII when Red Thirteen is running around with his puppies. And uh, yeah, that's that's that. But then at, we get Advent Children, which is the sequel to Final Fantasy VII in movie form. And it opens with the ending to Final Fantasy VII to kind of be like, yeah, we, we know, we know. And then it goes, fuck you. Because <laughs> it just says, yeah, everyone survived. And it's just a new story. And everyone's here. I guess you could infer that. I guess there's room to infer that. But it didn't really suggest that. It suggested that nature took back over and nature controlled the planet and that humans were gone. But not in Final Fantasy Advent Children because we got to get more Final Fantasy content out there, y'all. You love Cloud and Tifa and her big mommy milkers? I mean, <laughs> why not? Have more shit. Have more. Have more content. We'll even come out with the second edition when it comes out on Blu-ray. Oh, is that a teaser for a Final Fantasy VII remake on the PlayStation 3 after the event, children? We're totally not doing that until we are. Oh, go buy the remake. Oh, a big event. Oh, we didn't know. Oh, let's make some more content and shit that happens afterwards and before. Let's just make a Final Fantasy VII universe. It's going to be fan-fucking-tastic. That's, that's all I get from retconning the end of Final Fantasy VII Fuck you, Square. You have no fucking idea what you did. This is why Final Fantasy as a brand as is suffering from tons of like credibility legitimacy. You think you're a big name. People pretend you're a big name. But at the end of the day, when you look at a game like Final Fantasy X that sold something like 15 million units, and here you are celebrating Final Fantasy XVI selling 3 million, you know that your brand means shit. Final Fantasy XV did sell pretty well, by the way. I just think that was like the last gasp because I, I it's, this is... I, it doesn't make sense because this ha no, Final Fantasy 15 happened a long time after Final Fantasy 7. But like, yo, it makes no sense. You you that that was the poison in the well. It was the toxicity where you're like, actually, let's make a big brand off you know, our one of our best selling games and just continue to milk the shit of it. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Die, go to hell. Horrible retcon. Let people think about what happened. Don't like force that like don't give them meaningless sequels that mean nothing that you just want to like oh here's a dvd here's a umd for your psp thank you sony for the funding to make this bullshit fuck you <laughs> shane <laughs> oh all right there is some level of catharsis in these particular topics when we get them I, uh all right so you may be wondering what could possibly top a Diablo retcon? That's yeah. I, I need to know. That's, that's pretty big. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kingdom hearts. just all of it. Everything. Oh. The whole fucking I thing. <laughs> like, Oh God. Okay. Um, so I, I, I believe I have gone on record as a, as a kingdom hearts Stan a fan of the series one might say and i think anybody else who likes kingdom hearts also sort of has this implicit understanding that it is very much a um 
a bit like a Stockholm syndrome situation, I think. And, uh, we, we want to, you know, we, we want to like it and we say we like it, but it hurts us. It really does. And I could talk forever about all of the things that this series has done to completely, you know, fuck up its lore six ways from Sunday, but I'm going to stick with just a, a couple of the, couple of the heavy hitters here because they just make no fucking sense whatsoever. So the first Kingdom Hearts game, which by the way, a very nice little package deal, the the story of Kingdom Hearts, the first game tied up very nicely. It all makes pretty much makes sense. It's, it's actually not bad. It's a good, it's a good little story. Uh, and then Kingdom Hearts two and literally everything else comes along and says, what if we did that? But dumber. And so, uh, the first game defines the heartless as those without hearts. Seems pretty straightforward. When a person succumbs to darkness in their heart, the darkness consumes it entirely, leaving them with no heart, and thus they are a heartless. Uh, however, starting in Final Mix, the explanation is actually just totally fucking reversed, where it's like, no, 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 the heartless is the heart and the empty shell of the body becomes what we call a nobody. So now a person who has succumbed to darkness has two different versions of themselves running around. One, which is a heartless that has the heart. Okay. And the nobody who is the empty shell. And, and then they keep adding on to this in subsequent games that basically does nothing but just confuse the issue even further. So there's that. And then the other big glaring black hooded elephant in the room is, is Ansem, uh, or perhaps more accurately Xehanort. There, there's a reason that the meme, everyone is Xehanort gets bounced around a lot, uh, in the, in the kingdom hearts community. And that's because, uh, at this point, that's basically true. So in the original game, Ansem, who is the leader of Hollow Bastion, was uh, said to be this like once benevolent king who became obsessed with studying the darkness and eventually was consumed by it. You know, that whole you stare too long into the abyss, it stares back. OK, fine. Uh, that that tracks. I'm, I'm on board with that. In the second game, though, we find out that the person that everybody thought was Ansem, the the once benevolent king. Uh, was actually the heartless of his apprentice, Xehanort, who had deposed Ansem and stolen his name, so he was parading around as Ansem, and that the real Ansem pretty much remained a good guy, like, mostly. Uh, but then you get Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, which makes it even more ridiculous. So the first Xehanort that we ever saw, who is Ansem, went back in time because you know when you introduce time travel into things it always makes things better and made his past self evil to start with and the entire nature of Xehanort's past plans completely changed to be more interconnected with this whole like big plan of creating 13 versions of himself through like time travel and also infusing his heart into other people's hearts which is also a thing that can be done uh, and it's not just exclusive to Xehanort because that also happens with like Kyrie, and it's if uh, 
it's a it's a whole fucking thing like i you there's a reason that there is like a three or four hour video out there on youtube that is like required viewing in order to understand how the kingdom hearts lore is supposed to work <laughs> and even then by the end of that you're just like i think i got like 75 percent of that maybe so so yeah there you go that's that's why it's my number one because it is this like big glorious stupid clusterfuck of a story that like i really want to like and there's a lot of aspects of kingdom hearts that i do genuinely like but then there's just the plot has gone so far off the rails that at this point i don't think it will ever recover unless they just do like a a hard reboot like mk11 style and just say all right fuck all that other stuff we're 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 rebaselining things um but i i highly doubt that's going to happen so yes yeah, part of the reason i don't want to get involved with the kingdom hearts at all i played one and two and i'm i'm just leaving it there i played it a long time ago i had fun with it no by the way, uh, shout out to our friend Eric Guess from the Unlockables podcast because he has about like something like 10, 12 hours of Kingdom Hearts content where he breaks down the plot. So there you go, Shane. Hey, you should go. There you go. Give that a listen. Yeah. He, maybe he can explain it better for all of you because I sure as fuck can't. And Shane just, just wants to bang his head against the wall. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there was a time where I could fairly competently explain it to you, but I that that information has mostly exited my brain now so i don't i don't know if i could do that it's it's probably for the best honestly but yeah but hey at any rate uh there you have it there's there there it is our uh our top 5 i guess i won't say worst i'm going to i'm going to have to I have to come up with a different title for this episode because just I was retcons. I was definitely going under the the guise of them just being really terrible retcons but perhaps uh uh, highly suspect maybe well, I don't know we'll I'll workshop it but at any rate there you go five retcons for for better or worse uh so hey you know what if uh if if you liked our lists or, or even if you didn't you know feel free to let us know and uh, probably the best way to do that is to just jump into our public discord it is in fact open and also free so if you haven't done that I mean honestly I just feel like you're doing yourself a disservice at this point um, so just head on over to our link tree. It's L I N K T R dot E E slash retro hangover. And you can find that discord there as well as all our other stuff. If you want to check out our merch store or the Patreon, if you want to support the show in, in those ways, then, uh, you can certainly do that. You can also check out our socials as well as our YouTube channel, uh, and our Twitch, uh, dot television, streams which which chris is uh is going to tell you more about until the end of time because at one point i sort of like set that as our own rhp canon and i don't know how that happened but here we are so he is obligated now to tell you about this so uh so chris what what uh what's what's the twitch sitch oh man why haven't i never thought of that before all right twitch sitch there you go twitch sitch uh, the Twitch sitch is if you head over to retro, no, if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover and give us a follow, you can find out when we are streaming because 
as the time of this recording, I just happen to stream whenever the fuck I want to. But if you really want to know when we actually are supposed to be streaming, that is at Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, that's U.S., by the way, over at twitch.tv slash retro hangover. Once again, that's twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So if you're interested in following us there or watching us there or just hanging out with the community that is a great community top to bottom head on over there and we will be streaming at twitch.tv slash retro hangover at 9 p.m eastern time on sundays see you there all right well i suppose with all of that being said until next time play with your wow square enix really knows how to fuck things up joysticks <laughs>